0: This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. It is the Rundown. Mitch Burrell just behind the glass. The Arizona Cardinals in case you, I don't know where you would have been for the last 30 hours. But in case you somehow missed that, the Arizona Cardinals are 2-0. and With a very winnable game coming up this weekend uh, as well against the Detroit Lions. In fact, they've got three more very winnable games coming up against three teams that haven't won a game yet. And a couple of those teams are pretty beat up. We'll get ahead of ourselves, but not quite yet. First of all, the game yesterday, we talked about it at length on Friday going into it. Uh, Mitch and I certainly talked about it yesterday on the pre- and post-game shows, but uh, certainly worth getting back into it today. Because now we've had 24 hours for this to sort of sink in. And I think, you know, once you've had that, it's something the other sports don't necessarily afford you. But with football, and specifically the NFL, if your team is good or bad, I guess, maybe not so much mediocre, but either really good or really bad. And this team might be really good. You have that, uh, that time you know between games where you really sort of ruminate on what you saw and what you can expect potentially from this team going forward. And you talk so much about expectations. Obviously, those expectations are going up considerably nationally at this point. The Cardinals are not only 2-0, and but uh, they're just playing such a fun brand of football. And Kyler Murray, look, you can see it, whether you're a Cardinals fan or not. But, you know, if you are a Cardinals fan, imagine for a second if you weren't. And Kyler, or imagine, here, we can do this since he's here. Imagine if Kyler had gotten drafted by somebody else. Now, nobody liked the Seahawks or the 49ers or anybody like that, but if Kyler Murray was the quarterback of the, I don't know, the Titans, wouldn't he kind of be one of your favorite players? You know, you'd still, you'd still like your, your team, and obviously the guys on your team are going to be your favorite players, but then looking around the league, you're watching Red Zone or you're flipping through the, uh, the NFL Sunday ticket on the weekend, you're like, oh, uh, Kyler Murray's team's playing. i got to watch them for a little bit because on any given play – He's got the arm strength to chuck it down the field. Or he might just take off and run 20 yards for a touchdown. Now, it's more entertaining, certainly, with him on the Cardinals. A, because he's got weapons now. B, because he's got a, an offensive-minded head coach. And C, you know what? It's nice to have one of these guys here for the first time in a long time. It never, never seems like with, uh, with, with the teams in town that we just have a guy that is a true bona fide star in his league. They got Devin Booker. We've had players, don't get me wrong, we've had them with each of the the four uh, major Valley sports teams, and we've had them certainly with the other uh, teams in town as well, but you're talking about a guy like Kyler Murray that he's probably going to be on the cover of Madden someday. Well, maybe not, because they still think he's a 77-rated player, but if uh, whoever puts together the ratings for Madden ever watched Kyler Murray play, A, he'd have a much higher rating than he has, and B, he's just he's got that sort of cachet where he's good, but he plays a slightly different brand of football, and and his team's winning now. I mean, here's the thing. He was playing this brand of football last year. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't as polished, and we're going to look back next year and say, yeah, he wasn't even as polished in year two as he is going to be in year three, certainly. But he was still playing the exciting brand of football last year. The Cardinals just weren't winning. Now you're 2-0. and You took care of business against the team you should beat. The Washington football team, you know, we, we go into the games and we're like, well, I mean, we don't know that much about them, I guess. It's only been one game. They, they won their game against Philadelphia. Chase Young had a sack and a half. He's probably going to be Defensive Rookie of the Year this year as a team. The Washington football team had eight sacks. By the way, I can't wait till next year when they have a name. I'm so tired of saying the Washington football team. <laughs> I'm not. You go like it? Fo- go football team. Uh. First of all, they don't even look like a football team. So it's. I'm not even sure you can call yourself the Washington football team. You should just be Washington.
1: I mean, I think they do have a bit of a defense against the Cardinals because they probably should have been shut out yesterday, and they still put up 15 points. Yeah. yeah. And they got in the red zone a lot in the second half, and that should not have happened.
0: That's true, and that's something that the Cardinals, and I'm sure Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph are hammering this point home. You're not. You're, there's no taking the foot off the gas. You won five games last year. But to take care of business against a team that you should beat, like they did yesterday, that's the sign. That's one of those things you have to check, right? It's one of the boxes you have to check if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to be a truly good team in this league, if you eventually want to be a great team. Those teams, they don't lose to the Washington football teams of the world. Even if Washington ends up doing better than I expect this season and they finish 6-10 and or 7-9 and or something, that's a team... Cardinals should beat, and they did it yesterday. And I know the score was 30-15, to which is a weird score. It doesn't look that lopsided. If you watch that game or you listen to that game, did you ever really have any fear that Washington was going to win? It just, it it was never, it never felt like it was in doubt at all. I will say this, when Cliff went for it on fourth down at like his own 27-yard line, in the third uh, quarter. That that was <laughs> not like I had a doubt that they were going to win, but that's the only way you're going to lose to Washington at that point is if you let them back in by doing something like that. We'll get more into that in, in a few minutes. But the the bottom line right now is it is entirely possible. I'm not going to say likely yet, but it's entirely possible this team starts 5-0, and and they might need it because the NFC West is 7-1, and and the only loss in the division came against another team in the division. So, Absolutely as good as advertised. That's what this uh, division looks like. In fact, maybe even better because I, I really, and I felt this in the preseason. Well, there wasn't a preseason, but training camp. I felt like people were underrating or overlooking the Rams. And uh, I tweeted this out last night. You know, the the best thing about Kyler Murray is going to keep getting better. It feels like Russell Wilson somehow got better. He's already accomplished a lot in this league. I don't know how he's getting better, but he is going to be and the Seahawks are going to be, unfortunately, a force for the Cardinals to reckon with here. All right, specifically with Kyler Murray. Week one, he was a major reason they won the game. Didn't really have the stats, but again, Cardinals fans appreciate what they saw, and you, you just sort of had the sense that whenever he needed yards, if he couldn't throw to DeAndre Hopkins in the second half against the 49ers. He just ran for 10, 11, 12 yards at a time. Yesterday he was more the star of the show and that's going to be the way it is more often than not. We were talking uh, at the start of the season we did predictions for ArizonaSports.com and one of the questions that uh, the web department gave us was which player on the team is, is most likely to meet the expectations laid out there for them. And my answer, I think a lot of, probably a lot of the host's answers was, uh, was Kyler Murray just because there's all these different ways the Cardinals can attack you with their offense, but it, it's always going to start, obviously, with Kyler Murray, and it's going to run through Kyler Murray. This is not a team where it's like, we're going to get by with our defense and our quarterback handing off to the running back. This team is built around Kyler Murray, obviously. And through 18 games now as the quarterback of this team, I mean, this is... It's got to be the most exciting offense I can remember the Cardinals having. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but and I know I know back in the in the day they had when you had Anquan Boldin, Larry Fitzgerald, that was a, that was a very good offense, maybe a better offense, but this one it just feels like on any given play they could break off a 50-yard touchdown. Like you don't want to miss them when they're on offense, right? If you're watching if you're watching the game with your friends, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get up and grab food or whatever, but you can't when they're on offense. You can't. Because you don't want to miss what Kyler Murray's going to do, or you don't want to miss what DeAndre Hopkins, or any of these guys are going to do on offense. Fortunately, the defense is playing pretty well also, but uh, on Kyler Murray specifically, this is uh, Cliff Kingsbury just talking about how kyler's already taking that next step here in year 2
2: the um playing time last year was was invaluable to be able to Get as many snaps as he did and see all the different looks and play all the different teams it, it was just kind of uh, you know, a journey through through the fire if you will and he, he got he's gotten better and better and there's a comfort level now um, to being out there the, the game has slowed down for him I'm hopeful it continues to slow down and, and he understands we still have a long way to go to get where we want to get but he, he is um, making good decisions with the football for the most part he's making good decisions when to tuck it and, and get vertical with the ball and uh, I'm just hoping that continues.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a supremely talented player, obviously. And when you go number one overall, that's, there's a reason for that. But he certainly took his, his hits last year with the Cardinals. Maybe not so much physically, but just in general, you win five games. You know, as a quarterback, that can break you. Last season was tough. We kind of lose sight of that because the season before was unbearable. So last season, we were like, hey, five wins. This is kind of cool. We almost feel like an NFL team now. And you could see where this, this group was going. But when you're a quarterback that's used to winning all the time in high school and winning a lot in college and being successful at every level you've played, and now you're the quarterback of a team that's won five games, that can mess with you. Not everybody, but it can mess with you. It can either, you know, it can rattle your confidence. It can make you try and do too much. It can mess with you in a lot of different ways. It didn't mess with him. If anything, it made him better. You heard Cliff Kingsbury say it right there. If anything, it made him better. Herm Edwards on with Doug and Wolf this morning. I love that they're still having Herm on. Because Herm, to me, is is one of the greatest personalities in all of sports. But he obviously doesn't have a football team to coach right now with ASU. Hopefully soon. But uh, they're still having him on, and it's great. And, and you know, right now you're asking him about Kyler Murray. And, uh, and he talked about Murray's ability to run, which was on full display yesterday.
2: The unannounced play. Because you can't practice against it you know, that's the one you don't practice. So you don't see it until it happens. Right. (laughs) So you say, okay, here we go. Or you can, you know, every run is different when they leave the pocket. It's not like, well, he's going to run this way when he leaves the pocket. I mean, you see it the prior week, but when you get there, you're, you know, I I remember when we were at Tampa, we had pretty good defense and Culpepper was in the league then uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. And we used to cage rush him. In other words, what we would do, uh, we would never allow him outside of the pocket. Yep. Call it a cage, Russ, keep him in the cage. And then we'd have a lurker sitting right in the middle, right about three yards away from the line of scrimmage. And when he broke the pocket, his job was to tackle it. Now, you know, a lot of times he missed, but from, but a lot of times <laughs> he got him down too.
0: Yeah, I, just, I know we're going to talk about this a lot over the course of the season and really for a while, but uh, I don't know how you defend a guy like Kyler Murray. And watching these games now, these first two weeks of this season, and you know, even the last two years, I would say, prior to this, you see how, just how different a team that has a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, I'm not putting Kyler in that category yet, but the teams that have the dynamic quarterbacks that can just completely take over a game with their arm or on the ground... It's just such an edge over these other teams. It really is. I don't know how I don't know how a team's gonna beat Seattle unless they have Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. It's just it it's obviously it's always gonna be a huge advantage to have a a good to great quarterback. I know that's a very obvious and basic statement, but it's something different. This this just new age of quarterback that can beat you with his legs, beat you through the air, and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. We've seen, like, occasionally, we've seen a player, a quarterback like this come through the league in the past, but now we've got like five, six, seven of them. And those teams, those teams are all going to make the playoffs, I think. All right, we come back. Another major factor in the NFL that decides who does or doesn't make the playoffs, unfortunately, is injuries. And it hit a lot of teams hard yesterday, one of them in the Cardinals division, and that might be enough to, to sink this team. We'll get into that next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Since we have started the show, Adam Schefter tweeting out it is an ACL for Solomon Thomas of the 49ers. Um, Mitch, I hate to bring this up with you right here, but the two teams that have been hit hard hardest by the injury bug in a season only two weeks in, where it just it felt like yesterday was miserable. So many big players went down before the Cardinals game even started, but. The Broncos and the 49ers, I don't know how you two teams are even going to field a full roster by about week eight if this continues.
1: Yesterday's injuries completely overshadowed the fact that Von Miller is still out for the year. That was before even the first game of the season. Yeah. And the O-linemen that they're paying a lot of money, Jawan James, he opted out. So they're in a bit of trouble. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean,
0: you lose your quarterback. You They lost Jerry Judy at one point yesterday. Cortland Sutton's has, out for the year. Yeah. So, just
1: yesterday alone, sorry to interrupt, five ACL injuries knocking players out for the year.
0: Are you, are you counting Solomon Thomas, too? Solomon Thomas,
1: yeah. Nick Bosa, Cortland Sutton,
0: and I'm blanking on the other two. Saquon Barkley. Thank you. And now I'm forgetting the other one. I, I think I only know four, um, as, as if that's I think enough. I think well,
1: it was the Ravens'
0: corner. Uh, okay, okay. If um, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was just looking at offense. Well, I guess Nick Bosa's not offense, but... I mean, Paris Campbell left the Colts game with a knee injury. He's out indefinitely. Christian McCaffrey, ankle, uh, sounds like a high ankle sprain. He's out four to six weeks. Drew Locke, shoulder for Denver. I'm just talking about the guys yesterday, so I'm not even going to mention Michael Thomas, but Devontae Adams dealing with a, a hamstring issue. He didn't come back in that game because they were playing Detroit and they didn't need him. But um, I mean, you're talking about some some huge names. And, you know, look, it happens over the course of the NFL season. I, I would say... Football is the, the sport where injuries ultimately dictate the course of, of the season more than any other sport. And I think that's fair, right? But, I mean, yesterday you just had, like, the Giants, what, why are they even still playing? Saquon Barkley, and I don't know if you got to see that, that game. I think it was the only one that was on here in the morning if you didn't have red
1: Unfortunately, zone. it was.
0: But if you were watching, Saquon gets hurt. It looked like he had done something weird to his arm trying to brace himself on a fall. And they're like, that doesn't look good. He might not be back for a while. And like, I mean, I don't I don't care about the Giants at all, but I like to watch Saquon Barkley play football. It'd be cool if they put some pieces around him. Now they can't. The very next play he's back in, tears his ACL. So two straight plays for Saquon Barkley looking like really bad injuries, and the second one is he's done for the year. Uh, specifically, though, with the 49ers, and I don't say this to celebrate it because, again, I... I watch the NFL to see the best players play. And I don't, even if the Cardinals weren't good, I wouldn't want to see them move up in the standings by their division rivals suffering injuries. I think the Cardinals are good enough to beat these teams when healthy, and I want to see it. San Francisco has been absolutely decimated. Nick Bosa's done for the year. Tevin Coleman is doubtful for this week's game. Jimmy Garoppolo is questionable. I actually think they can get by it without Garoppolo. I think Nick Mullins is. is I think Nick Mullins is an average quarterback. I think he's probably better than some of the really bad starters in this league. As I've said before, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is slightly above average. Like, if you're San Francisco, you want Garoppolo. But I think of all these injuries that I'm reading off, Raheem Mostert, doubtful for Thursday. Solomon Thomas, done for the year, I would assume. I'm not a doctor, but torn ACL. It seems to sideline everybody else for the year. George Kittle is still out. This is all just one team. That's your starting running back, your backup running back, your starting quarterback, your number two overall pick in the draft last year. D. Ford is also out. Solomon Thomas is a pretty big piece of your defensive line. George Kittle's maybe the best tight end in football. That's all on just the 49ers. And they still beat the Jets by 30 points. Well, the Jets are an embarrassment to football. Let's be honest. I mean, San Francisco could have sat their entire offense. They still would have beat them. How bad? I'm trying to put it in context. I mean... Among the the just truly awful teams we've seen in, let's say, the last five years, this year's Jets team has a chance to be right up there. I don't think they're going to go 0-16 because that just doesn't happen unless you're Cleveland. I think it's just funny that all the experts
1: seem to overlook the Jets when picking that one team that's destined to go 0-16, and all the experts picked Washington and Jacksonville, and they both knocked that out of the park in week one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Jets are definitely worse than those two teams. It's going to be really weird for them picking first. And I would assume they're going to have to take Trevor Lawrence if they're picking first. But you just took Sam Darnold two years ago, and I don't really think it's his fault they're this bad. And I understand. I mean, look, we live in Arizona. We just took Kyler Murray one year after taking the quarterback in the first round, and it's worked out very well. I understand if you're the Jets and you're picking first overall and you're looking and saying Trevor Lawrence is there, you're going to have to take him. But they've got a lot of issues. And... uh Fortunately for the Cardinals, they get them in a couple weeks. I don't, think those, I don't think those issues are going to be resolved by then. But specific to the 49ers, as I said, the everybody in the NFC West is a combined 7-1. One. The one loss is, of course, San Francisco to Arizona. But that team went to the Super Bowl last year. They were leading in the second half of the Super Bowl. You know, the the Super Bowl hangover that's supposed to hit teams that get to the Super Bowl and lose, I don't know if that's fair to put that label on them in this case because everybody's hurt already. So we'll see. I, I'm not writing the 49ers off by any means. They're going to have to get Kittle back soon, though, and I do think if they want to make the playoffs, they probably need Garoppolo in there, and then they're going to have to get some of these running backs uh, back unless they want to play the Jets all season just 16 times. But uh, in a division where the other three teams are 2-0, and that might be the team that drops out. I do think three teams are going to make the playoffs out of the NFC West. It's possible. I guess four could. Um, but... San Francisco's got some major issues now. One of the best stats from the the Cardinals' first two games of the season: the offense gets so much hype, and then you you know you'll look and you'll say, "Okay, Chandler Jones has a sack." The team has seven sacks through two games. They had the. The big blocked punt in Game 1. They forced the, uh, the fumble on the punt yesterday. This is such a, a, just a simple stat that you almost don't notice unless the team is losing close games. But I think it's worth looking at, if for no other reason than we've had to look at it on post-game shows for the last few years when it went against the Cardinals so badly. Getting off the field on third down defensively and keeping the other team on the field when you have a third down offensively. The Cardinals, when they have the football this season, they're fourteen for thirty-one on third down, seven for seventeen uh, yesterday, and seven for fourteen against San Francisco in Week One. By the way, they've played a really good defense, and I, I do think Washington potentially has a decent defense. Their offenses, <laughs> uh, but opponents. So when the Cardinals are, are their defenses on the field trying to get off the field, you, you know, you, you hold the other team, you get them to third down. How many times just last year? Did we see the Cardinals defense get a team to third down and then let them convert? And then you're back out there again. And you're just staying out there. This season, opponents against the Cardinals are 6-for-23 on third down. That's how you do it. That's one of those smaller, it's like it's not a small stat, but it's not something that they talk about a lot on TV. Or you're gonna you're going to talk about a lot during the broadcast. But it's a major reason to be encouraged about what this team is doing. There's a lot of them right now. I get it. But that's 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 a big one. It's a big one that kind of flies under the radar. And we'll see if they can keep it going. They should be able to keep it going next week, and the week after, and the week after at least. The uh, The defense making a difference for this team, even if it's a little bit more um, quietly than they have in the past, is, is one of those things that you look at and you say, okay, this, uh, this probably should be a playoff team. Not just because of who their next three games are against. Not just because Kyler Murray can do damage to pretty much any defense if he plays the way he's been playing. Not just because he got DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, we're almost a half hour into the show today. We haven't even talked about DeAndre Hopkins barely. But it's that, it's that defense that is just kind of holding the other team down, not really giving up a whole lot right now. Sort of playing honestly to the potential that we thought they should play to last year in in, and... <laughs> I guess maybe even to a certain extent the year before. The year before feels like a thousand years ago, and, and I'd like to keep it that way. But when you have a defense that's going to be out there making plays, Hassan Redick, we'll hear from him later on in the show. He's contributing. Chandler Jones doesn't have to do it all himself this year, and that's when you know you have something special. I don't care how good the defensive player is. If he's the only one on your defense really consistently doing anything, you're not going anywhere. I mean, we've seen that. Chandler Jones should have been a Defensive Player of the Year candidate each of the last two years, and at least had his uh, his name in the hat each of the last four years. Cardinals didn't do anything. Now, he doesn't have to do quite as much, although, again, if there's a strip sack, he's there. He's either recovering it, forcing it, or both. But now you have these other guys. Jordan Phillips looks pretty good. Nine and a half sacks last year, big strip sack yesterday. Got these other pieces that can... That can make a difference on defense and it's very evident so far through two games all right when we come back any concerns with this cardinals team and i do want to talk about that fourth down play still can't figure out what the cardinals were thinking yesterday and it worked but bigger picture Any concerns you have as they go forward and start to play some of the the top teams in the NFL? It's going to be about a month before they do, but that Seattle game is starting to loom large already. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Oh, it is great to be in this position now, isn't it? Where we can sit here and nitpick decisions that went well after a win. Is this what it feels like to do sports radio in Boston every single year? Except this one. Except with more of an accent? Probably. You know, that really wasn't that bad, I guess, for a Boston accent. uh,
1: It's been a while since I've been to the Northeast. I don't think you you just pick up an accent when you go somewhere. I adopt
0: Gambo's accent way too much, and that's not Boston at all. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Everybody in this building has a Gambo impression. Because
1: he's got such a distinct, I mean, look, if you're going to be a, if you're going to. There's a whole segment on our after, or on our midday show. Yeah. Where they just sit there and talk like Gambo, naming uh, off players that I've never heard of before. Dueling
0: Gambos. It's, it's, it's the highest form of, of flattery, right? I mean, if you're going to talk for a living on the air, you want people to remember you. Look, not for nothing. But that's the second part I was going to say. Everybody yeah. here has a Gambo impression. Not all of them sound like Gambo. Yours is not bad. There are some people. I would would imagine a lot of impressions don't actually sound like the person
1: you're impersonating.
0: Well, and that, but that's one of them where it's like if you if you can't get that one right, it's going to sound really wrong. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, what I was saying is it's it's uh, it's great to be in this position where we can sit here and say, well, the Cardinals won yesterday, but here's a play I didn't like. Oh, that play worked. I still didn't care for it. That's basically where we are, right, with this fourth down call yesterday feels good to get nitpicky for once it does as opposed to what it's been the last couple years of the cardinals just play perfect tomorrow i think they can keep it close um going for it on fourth and one it was uh what about seven and a half minutes i want to make sure i have the exact now it's a 937 left in the third up 20 to nothing at their own 27 that right there i don't i don't even care what the play is i don't like it I like that Kingsbury is aggressive. I don't think you can win in today's NFL without being aggressive. But we talked about this on the postgame show yesterday. It's risk versus reward. What are you you getting out of it? They converted it. We'll get to the play call in a second. They converted it, and then they still had to punt three plays later. If you don't convert it, I still think you win the game yesterday. I don't think that would have, like, ended it. They were up 20 to nothing. But if you're watching that game yesterday, you know the only way the Cardinals are losing at that point is if they let Washington back in the game. Philadelphia let Washington back in the game the week before. Philadelphia up 17-0. They lose 27-17. And Washington really didn't look that good doing it. Philadelphia opened the door. And credit Washington. They took advantage. Yesterday, the Cardinals never really opened the door other than, to your point, Mitch, in the the fourth quarter. They definitely took their foot off the gas uh, defensively a little bit. But if that play goes wrong yesterday, Washington's right there. Let's just say they score, they make it twenty to seven. We're starting you know, within the Cardinals thirty. So it's possible they would have scored right there. That's the only way they were getting back in. That's why I don't like it, because it's not like you're going for it fourth and goal at their goal line, and if you if you make it, you're getting points, or you're going for it like the Chargers yesterday in overtime, but they had a fourth and one. And instead, they punted back to the Chiefs, and that's it. <laughs> you give the Chiefs the ball. So I understand there are certain times you want to go for it. Right there, you're not getting anything out of going for it. The play call, Mitch, you had an interesting take on this when we, when we were in the newsroom earlier. You've heard a lot of people complaining that they showed that play. Yes. That's interesting. I didn't even think that when we were watching the game.
1: Well, people on this station were complaining that they were showing the play. Because when you do something, it becomes tape. In the NFL, and that tape travels, and now, who are they playing next week again? Detroit? Detroit. Now Detroit is, it's not going to matter because it's Detroit, <laughs> but they are
0: well prepared if Chris Streveler takes the field because they've seen it, right? Somewhere, yes, Matt Patricia is watching that, and he's pulling the pencil out from behind his ear and four more out of his beard to sit there and write down, hey, the Cardinals might do something with Strebler. I, You know, I do agree to, to the extent of, is such an unknown I don't want to show other teams Chris Strevler until we have to because I don't know that I'm ever going to like that play where you're essentially using him to run a reverse to Christian Kirk, but I don't really want to show any more Strevler until the Seahawks game.
1: Do you remember what their field position was when they ran it?
0: Yeah, they were inside their own 30. Their, their own twenty-seven yard line. The Cardinals are at their own twenty 20- seven. That's what I'm saying. See, that seems greedy.
1: Well, yeah. and then
0: you give Washington great field position if you fail. It's the only way Washington gets back in the game at that point. So that's the only reason why. I I like I said, I want Kingsbury to still be that aggressive coach. I don't want that to ever change. It's not going to change. But that one was uh that was a strange one to me. And it worked. So I guess, what do I know? Except they punted a few plays later, so apparently I know something. Um, the, uh, the other area where I, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the postgame show, too, but it's, it's worth bringing up again. As I'm watching that game, I'm thinking, you know, if I could fix anything with the Cardinals right now, it would be the running game outside of Kyler Murray. I like that he can get you the yards on the ground. I don't want him to be the only guy that can run. Kenyon Drake finished the game, actually, with 86 yards, so he was the leading rusher. I heard Burns and Gambo talking about earlier, saying, I bet most people wouldn't think he was because he wasn't for the first three quarters he was fairly non-existent he even tweeted out after the game you know if uh, I don't have it right in front of me so I'm paraphrasing but basically if you have a problem with me for my fantasy stats go ahead and drop me and uh, and bless somebody else in your league which is great I love it
1: people need to anyway because a lot of people got injured yesterday yeah so they might need to get some people to bless their fantasy
0: teams <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know from the Cardinals perspective on this you do when you have a lead in the fourth quarter you want to be able to run out some clock not with your quarterback and just sort of kill the rest of the game Kenyon drake though actually was able to do that in the fourth quarter so we're nitpicking like i said a lot of things are going well right now they're not going perfectly by any means there's a lot of room for them to improve which is really the perfect situation if you're a head coach because you're getting the wins but you can still point and say hey fix this Big picture in the uh, in the NFC, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, all 2-0 and in the division. The only other teams that are 2-0 in the NFC, the entire conference, are Green Bay, who's looked very good, and Chicago, who we'll see. They have been fortunate to beat Detroit and the Giants in their first two games, but that doesn't mean they can't keep winning this season. There's just not a lot of 2-0 teams in the entire NFL at this point. You've got Buffalo. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, Chicago, Green Bay, and then Arizona, L.A., and Seattle. There will be another tonight. Both New Orleans and Las Vegas
1: are one and so one of them will become another two and 0 team. I hope they tie
0: now, just to prove you
1: wrong. Um, Why did you say that? We should bring them... you should know better than to want a tie I, in the NFL. I, I, as
0: long as it's not the Cardinals, I don't really care. the uh, The Saints are up on on the boy. This is going to be tough. The Las Vegas Raiders. You think that's tough? Yeah.
1: That's, Try saying a team name that doesn't have a nickname. I have for the last <laughs> I know, that's what I'm 96 saying. 96 hours. It's like Las Vegas shouldn't be hard, like Los Angeles shouldn't be hard, but football team is annoying.
0: Yeah, but I think that's part of the, the issue is that they used to be the Los Angeles Raiders and then the Oakland Raiders and the Las Vegas. Even, But they've always been the Raiders. They, that's true. Maybe I'll just call them the Raiders. Maybe they will be a team without a city, much like Washington is a team without a team. They just picked off Drew Brees at 17-14 Saints uh, second quarter in that one. There's a lot of sports going on tonight. we got the Stanley Cup going on on one of these TVs, too. That game is not uh, as close. 3-0 Tampa. But you're right. One of these teams will be 2-0 as well. But to have three 2-0 teams in the same division, it's possible all four make it. Right? I mean, you, there's three wild cards in the NFC. It's tough to draw major conclusions after two weeks. I don't know that you can sit and confidently say, oh, the NFC is better than the AFC or vice versa. But given what we saw last year and the year before and what we've seen through two weeks this season, is there any dispute that the Cardinals are in the toughest division in in football? There's not even an argument against it, is there? No. Like, what would the other candidate even be? I guess maybe
1: the AFC West? I, I disagree with that one, too. Well, who else i don't know they? if there's another competitor to the chiefs yet only because patrick mahomes has really separated himself from the other three quarterbacks in that division yeah well he's separated himself from everybody but in general i think because the competition is a little more balanced and it pains me to say this but the nfc east oh is that's actually, the worst. that's my point is they're all terrible, but it makes it competitive enough so somebody has to win that division. Yeah. They're not going to be good, but Dallas. somebody has to win it.
0: Dallas is going to just get handed. They're, they're the new New England where they just get gift-wrapped a spot right into the playoffs every year, although New England was a lot better than Dallas uh, is this season. Um, real quick, this is Cliff Kingsbury talking about the uh, division and the fact that they are very aware of what's going on around them. We
2: knew coming into the season that you know it's it's hard to take even one step up in this division, and um, those teams are loaded and playing at a very high level, and it, it does make it exciting as a competitor because you know you're going against the best guys at least you know, seven eight times a year, and and um, you better bring your A game and. It's lining up that way, so we know um, it's going to be a heck of a, a battle in that division, and, and we, we got to work our tails off each and every day to, to have a chance.
0: That's why that game against the 49ers was so big. You're going to have to go at least 3-3 three and three in the division, and, and certainly even better than that if you want to win the division. I still think the ultimate goal for the Cardinals this season is make the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. If they go 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five even, it's crazy and they don't win the division because Seattle's 12-4, and four. I'm not going to be disappointed in the Cardinals at that point, but they do need to make the playoffs with the start they've had, the injuries around them, and the schedule that they have now these next three weeks. When we come back, mention Hassan Reddick making plays for this team in each of the first two weeks. When we come back, we'll hear from him. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Hour number two, live from the ak Community Studios, Halftime, as you just heard with Mitch right there. Raiders Saints 17-17. Mitch, how's that uh, big night from Emmanuel Sanders that you needed going for you?
1: Um, I haven't seen him. (laughs) or Well, I wouldn't have heard his name called anyway because I'm listening to you, of course. Oh, obviously. But no, I have not seen anything. I haven't been able to check the box scores on that. But I'm not the only one who's expecting a lot out of Emmanuel Sanders, apparently.
0: Well, I wouldn't say I'm expecting a lot out of him, but I needed a lot out of him tonight because uh, I played against the guy with Russell Wilson. Okay, well, let me open
1: the box score. It says, Emmanuel Sanders... Is still on the team. Has two targets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Targets. Uh, That's great. That's helpful. Isn't that like you start to go through some of the, uh, the highs and lows of fantasy football that everybody can relate to? One of them is playing against a guy like Russell Wilson yesterday, and it's the worst when it's on Sunday Night Football, because all day you're like, yeah, I'm in a pretty good, pretty good spot here. And then Wilson goes out there and throws five touchdowns. And I'm not even sure the Patriots were there defensively. There's that. Uh, there's what everybody, I think, experienced yesterday of you lose one of your best players, whether it was Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, or you lose guys you're counting on like Paris Campbell early in the game. So it's just a zero, basically. And then there's this one that you're experiencing right now, Mitch, and I'm there with you, and I'm sure there are others. Emmanuel Sanders, basically the second best receiver on the Saints. Their number one receiver is out, Michael Thomas. So you figure, hey, you know, it's not a given that Emmanuel Sanders is now the number one receiver on the team, but you figure he's going to be productive. You need some points on Monday Night Football. And then by the end of the second quarter, you're on Twitter trying to find out if they traded him. Traquan Smith, incidentally, is apparently the guy that is the Saints' number one receiver Here's why I'm frustrated, though. Because
1: he has no catches and it's half No, because I also had Michael Thomas as my first-round pick. They've got you the same amount of points. Exactly. And you know how many points I have up to this point? 142.43. And I'm losing. Yeah, well, that's...
0: You know what you could use? I know, that's fantasy football, but... You could use some production from uh,
1: Emmanuel Sanders is what you could use. He has Josh Jacobs, so either way, I feel like I'm going to lose
0: down by 20. No, it's it's not not going well for Fantasy football doesn't make sense. It does not. It is certainly, of all the fantasy games, the one where the most luck is involved, mainly because of the injuries like we saw yesterday. Uh, To the Cardinals, who are are navigating through these first two weeks about as well as you can. I mean, they've had injuries as well, but uh, if you're looking at this team right now, and you're saying, okay, two and zero. That's great. Washington might not be very good, but San Francisco is. And I understand San Francisco's beat up. They weren't nearly this beat up when the Cardinals played them. The Cardinals played San Francisco with Nick Bosa and certainly with Raheem Mostert. And I and look, I know George Kittle got hurt by about halftime of that game, and they didn't have Debo Samuel. That's life in the NFL. The amount of injuries the 49ers have suffered now through two weeks, that's not life in the NFL. That is, I, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, that's just terrible luck. But regardless, Cardinals 2-0, and and yet you look and you say, okay, this is not a, a dominant team yet. What can they fix? I mentioned this earlier. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, this is really perfect for you as a head coach because your team is winning, and yet you can still point to tangible things at practice during the week and say you got to get better here. We got to improve this. You know, it's it's one thing when you're just kind of cruising along and maybe you're not playing perfect. I mean, let's be honest, what team ever really is? But as a coach, you can't say, oh, "Hey, we got to we got to improve the running game in the first three quarters or, you know, we can't let up in the fourth quarter or we got to do less penalties." My gosh, the Cardinals took a lot of penalties in the uh, the first portion of the game yesterday and and certainly even in week one against the 49ers but kingsbury's in an interesting spot because he can point and say yeah we're still winning but let's fix this let's move the, let's pass the ball around a little bit more so it's not just deandre hopkins we saw that yesterday we saw andy isabella and christian kirk at least get a little bit involved here's kingsbury today on with bickley and murata but i think that the Penalties continue to
2: show up offensively, is what I'm speaking, um, which is something we can't have. And we we have to clean that up moving forward. But I I felt we we took the appropriate step. We hit on the things we talked about improving on. And the sustainability in the second half, you've got to give Washington credit, too. They made nice adjustments. They have a solid football team, as proven by their week one win over a good Philly team. And um, So we'd like to start the second half quicker, and and that's something we can can focus on this week.
0: Yeah, you know, I I do like... Kingsbury's ability to adjust at halftime and and I couldn't help but think yesterday of two games Cardinals fans you're right there with me I'm sure on this Cliff Kingsbury's first game as head coach of the Cardinals last year against Detroit who they will play this this week and the Cardinals first game the year before can't put any of that on Cliff Kingsbury can't put any of it on Kyler Murray but the last time they played Washington was the season opener two seasons ago. And I get it. I mean, I did the pre- and post-game shows for all the games that year, and we basically all vowed at the end of that season, we don't need to talk about this season anymore, the 2018 season. But you know what? I'm going to talk about it for a second now because we're in a better spot. And that, that season highlights the better spot that we're in. It did come up yesterday watching them play Washington. It wasn't that long ago the last time they played Washington, just a little over two years ago. And, you know, it's a little bit different because you're running a, a different defensive scheme and everything. But basically, the 22 guys that they started against Washington two years ago and the 22 guys they started against them yesterday, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, only eight of them were the same. Only eight. And the eight that we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about Larry Fitzgerald, DJ Humphreys, Patrick Peterson, Buddha Baker, Chandler Jones. I mean, guys that you will take. But it really just shows how much they have turned this roster over. And they needed to, to distance themselves from that 2018 season. Sam Bradford was the quarterback last time they played Washington. Robert Kim Kimdichie was starting. It better feel like 100 years ago. But again, it only feels like 100 years ago when you're winning. You can turn the roster over and not get any better. They have turned this roster over and made significant improvements. And yes, it all starts with Kyler Murray and the willingness to make that pick at number one overall a year after you took a quarterback in the first round. But that's not the only thing. It's not just Kyler. But yeah, still, still, certainly things to look at and to improve. Um, and, And Cliff Kingsbury has been pretty consistent about that through the first two weeks. Here's one more. From Cliff, before we hit the break,
2: I think that's that's as coaches, that's that's the frustrating part and the exciting part that there is that much room for growth. And you you also have to take into consideration that it's only the second game of of doing it live and doing it, you know, the the real thing. There wasn't preseason, there wasn't off season, and so we'd like it to be sharper. We'd like to execute at a higher level, but we're, we're hoping it comes with time. And and the effort is definitely there, and you can build off that.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a great place to be through two games. <laughs> Look, the downside is that the, the NFC West is not a great place to be through two games. But at a certain point, you just take care of what you can take care. And you can control what you can control. I, I love the tweet by Kyler Murray yesterday where he just tweeted out 1-0. And he did it after game one, too. And half the comments back to him yesterday were like, oh, yeah, we get it. You're doing this every week. You're 1-0 this week. That's all you care about It's just this week. Which I believe it with Kyler Murray that that mindset that that guy has he had it last year when they weren't winning he hasn't really changed a whole lot in terms of his demeanor now that they are winning which is a great sign for a quarterback because that's going to project to the rest of the team the other half of the comments are like you know you're two and zero right <laughs> like like the quarterback of the team that is two and zero isn't aware that his team is two and zero but uh, yeah I, I really think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of his ability to just run 22 yards for a touchdown at any given moment. Or if they need 11 yards and the pass isn't there, he'll just run 15 yards. And that arm strength and his ability to, for the most part, avoid getting hit, lost in the shuffle of, that, uh, of all of that is Kyler Murray's demeanor, which is going to be big. If they really do get to 3-0, and 4-0, and 5-0, and if they get anywhere near that, even if they come out of this stretch 4-1, and when you have a, a quarterback with the demeanor that Kyler Murray has and you have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald that's not going to take anything for granted because he's been in this league for almost two decades and he's been to the Super Bowl once. You have leadership like that that's not going to let guys be like, oh, we can let up this week. It's the Jets. We're 4-0. and It's not going to happen. I mean, I guess it always happens a little bit when you are a team that hasn't had a lot of success lately and all of a sudden you are. But it's not going to happen very much, I don't think, with this team. I really don't. I mean, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to test the theory, right? I'd love to be 4-0 going into that Jets game. But I just think just the way Kyler naturally is off the field and the way Larry Fitzgerald just commands attention in that room no matter which players are playing alongside him. And look, DeAndre Hopkins has been outstanding for his entire career. He's never won anything either. It's not his fault. I don't think those guys are going to allow this team to let up for a whole game or two whole games or whatever. I know they let up in the fourth quarter a little bit yesterday. That's growing pains with a young team. But uh, I don't think collectively they're going to be doing that much as a team because of the guys they have in leadership positions like that. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is really going to take much for granted either. He's coached 18 NFL games. All right, we come back play a little fill-in-the-blank. Mitch, what was the you celebrated the the touchdown in the the Monday night game and I thought it was Emmanuel Sanders it wasn't even a saint
1: I have Darren Waller on another team Okay, get it together back there
0: Alright, we come back, we'll play fill-in-the-blank, that's next It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station Welcome back to the show Luke Lipinski here with you, it is the Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station D-backs off tonight. we got the rundown going here. D-backs uh, off all of next weekend for quite some time. So expect a lot more of the show coming back at you next week. We are now going to play fill-in-the-blank. Mitch, we haven't played this in a while.
1: Played we haven't like played a lot of games six six in a months.
0: while. Well, it's time to play some games. Sweet. Do you? Okay, so the way this works is I have four sentences I have written hastily. Mitch has four as well. And then there's obviously a blank. The uh, other person has to fill in to make the sentence complete. We don't know what these are. That'll become very apparent. It'll become very obvious we have not rehearsed this. Mitch, I'm going to go first, okay? Because okay. this one was inspired as we were coming back from break. Okay. Hit me. I got I got sports on three TVs here in the studio. I don't know what's going on on the fourth one. It's just like a, a, a rotating cube. cube. Yeah, it's very strange. It's oddly hypnotic now that I look at it. Um, but on one of the TVs, of course, got the Monday Night Game. And it says... Well, I didn't say this, but here's your sentence. The first word that pops into your mind when you see Bill Belichick enjoying a delicious Subway sub is blank. Practice. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> well, that was the first word that popped into your mind, so that's well, it. I, I mean,
1: when I see him just enjoying his sandwich on his bench, I think to myself, that's nice.
0: I'm waiting you for know? Yeah, I, I, I feel like they're going to put out a sequel where he's just feeding ducks or something. That's... <laughs> He looks like he's one step Did away. Did you see from the one before
1: ducks. it where he just rips off the
0: dude's sleeves? No, I haven't seen. Yeah, it. oh, that was the precursor to this one. Well, see, what's weird about this one is I have no audio obviously on these TVs, so I look up and it's just Bill eating a six-inch sub. So I remember soothing, soothing would be. I
1: remember more. all the tweets going around showing pictures of Bill Belichick's doing the subway commercial. It was that one. Yeah, I thought it. I was confused because I'd only seen the ripped sleeves one first. Okay, and I'm wondering. But where's this other one where he just sits on a bench and enjoys a Subway sandwich that he's probably not actually eating? Major plot twist. Yeah. There. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. That was your first there one. There you go. All Here's right. your first one. Okay. I was go. inspired by a segment that we did earlier. I hope everybody was inspired by that segment, even though I don't know which one you're talking about. Well, you'll know what it is when I ask the question, because if only one NFC West team misses the postseason, it would be blank. 49ers. It's hard to argue that one now with the
0: injuries, yeah. But
1: if you're looking at it at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said the Rams.
0: Yeah, Jarrett and I got into it um, like two weeks ago. When we were filling in on Labor Day, and I was all in on the Rams. This, not all in like they're going to the Super Bowl, but all in that they're back this year. He was not. No, all in was the show that the Cardinals were on. That's true. That was all or nothing. Oh, and as it turns out, it was nothing. Um, by the way, they still do that show, and even though it was Philadelphia last season, it's still pretty entertaining. Um, yeah, I mean it's the Niners now with the injuries, but I would say this: even if you had asked me that question before this weekend's games, where they lost all those players, I think I still would have said it. I don't know that would have said it before they lost to the Cardinals in Week One. To be fair, but Seattle's in, and I think I think the Cardinals and Rams are playoff teams. I really like. Do. How
1: can you ever rule out Seattle?
0: You can't, as long especially as especially when Wilson. Russell throws five touchdowns. They should have to play with Rick Meyer. Or, like, I don't know if Rick Meyer has a nephew or something after Russell Wilson's career is over to sort of make up for this. Watch them tank for Trevor. Uh, Yeah, no. Um, Okay. the Blank is the Cardinals player that has surprised you the most this season.
1: Gosh dang it. I have a similar question right after that. That's why I asked. Surprised me the most? Probably Hassan Reddick. Yeah. Only because he was looking to be the next Kim Dietschy, where he just could not impress at his position. And I think now they've got a good fit for him. And they also picked up veteran free agents to better complement him in his new role.
0: And the, I think that's huge. The next Kim Dietschy sounds like a, a really... This summer. Yeah. The next Kim Dietschy. <laughs> it, it sounds like a movie that I don't totally know what it is. And then I go and watch it and I'm like, I still don't totally know what that was. Which incidentally was kind of like Robert Kim Dicci's career with the Cardinals. I still don't really know what it was. Right. It existed, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I think the answer probably has to be Hassan Redick. I like that he's he's salvaging his career and, and turning it around. Because Hassan Redick, good guy, has tried hard this whole time. He just, I mean, <laughs> different defensive coordinator every year up yeah. until this year. So Yeah.
1: All right. Well, you asked me which Cardinal has surprised you the most. I ask you which Cardinal has impressed you the most. Oh,
0: impressed. Um probably still Kyler. I know we all had high expectations for him, but we didn't see him running like this last year. We all knew he could do it. I don't think that it, that anybody that watched this team last year, or honestly even watched him in college, is shocked that he can do this. But he had 544 rushing yards last year. He's already got 158 through two games this season. So I'm no math major, but... He's going to be well over 1,000 yards if he keeps going at this pace. Now, I don't know that he will, but in week one, it was a lot of, ah, there's nothing there, he's going to run. There were some designed runs for him yesterday. And <laughs> what was the stat we gave out like eight times on the postgame show yesterday? He's got three touchdown runs of 20 or more yards since he came to the league 18 games ago. The previous 38 years, the Cardinals had two of those from a quarterback. So unlike anything we've seen with this team ever. It's just changing market for quarterbacks. Uh, here's one for you. DeAndre Hopkins will finish with blank receptions this season. Now, for context, he has 22 through the first two games of the season, which is the most anybody's ever done in their first two games of the new team. And
1: Michael Thomas's record last year was, what,
0: 180? I feel like he had a Or 170-something. All against me in our fantasy playoffs <laughs> in one game. I'll go with... He had 104 last year, DeAndre Hopkins, 115 the year before. Now, those were obviously in Houston, I still think if he's the leading
1: receiver and he set his own personal mark in week one, I'll give him, I'll give him one twenty. Ooh, okay. I okay. think he aims high this year. He's only on... because who else has Kyler been throwing to?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean he's on pace for. He's not going to hit this, but he's on pace for one seventy six through the first two games. That's what a fourteen reception game will do for you. But yeah, one twenty would be a career high. Previous career high or current, I guess right now is one fifteen. I hope he challenges that. You know what? You know deep down DeAndre Hopkins wants to set career highs with the Cardinals in his first year. Okay. Okay. So my next question, I'm
1: at least going to name you the teams. All right. Because I can't think of them off the top of my head. Between Las Vegas, New Orleans, Arizona, Baltimore, Buffalo, Chicago, Green Bay, Kansas City, the Rams, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tennessee, the last of those to be unbeaten will be <laughs> that's brutal I gotta see their schedules um, just give it your best guess you can't imagine Chicago's gonna go this long undefeated no, 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 right no.
0: I, look Chicago I know there's a lot of Chicago fans in the Valley and I'm not taking anything away from them they're 2-0 and but they've played the Lions and they probably should have lost to them and the Giants I, I mean if you're just going who's the best of those teams I think it's still Kansas City uh, or Seattle I think Kansas City and Seattle right now are the two best teams in the NFL although Seattle's got issues on defense um, God, I can't wait for that that Seahawks Cardinals game. It's going to be I, great. I will say Kansas City. I know they almost got beat yesterday, but maybe that was a bit of a wake-up call for them. And I think the Chargers uh, defensively might be better than people realize.
1: If it makes you feel better, either Las Vegas or New Orleans will be removed from that list. That's that's true. Right. Doesn't help with it right now, but you know, within the next couple hours. Exactly.
0: Uh okay, last one for you. The injury you hated to see most for whatever reason yesterday was blank. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Why? That's my boy.
1: Oh, I didn't know he was your boy. Well, okay. So, if you didn't already know, because I feel like I've mentioned it a bazillion times, he's my neighbor back in Colorado. Literally did not know that. He's about, f- at least where his parents still live, okay. about f- five streets away from my house. Oh, wow. Okay. And went to the same Montessori school growing up. Yeah. Like him and his three other brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, so you, do you know him? Not personally. Okay. That's just it. See, the thing is, is when you go to the same school, someone at the age of, what, five? Yeah. You don't really know them. That's true. So I had to have gone to high school with him, but he went to a private high school.
0: Um. In high school, real quick, who's, who was the better football player between you and him? Do you think I played football in high school? Oh, no, I don't know. That's a compliment. Um, I played marching band. Thank you very much. I will say, for selfish reasons, mine's McCaffrey because I took him with the first pick in our draft, but Saquon Barkley is just as a as a whatever, altruistic, the the player I wanted to the player I absolutely did not want to see get hurt because he's just so fun to watch, but he's on such a terrible team.
1: I still got to give some love for both Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton because just watching this Denver team fall apart at the seams is Sad, but It's okay. We'll be all right. All right. My last question, and granted, I wrote the question without remembering that baseball has a postseason coming up in a week or so. (laughs) But what are you going to watch other than football when hockey, baseball, and basketball are all done? Uh, That's a great
0: question, and I would love to give you an answer, but I don't have it yet. Um, Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not really a, a. somebody that binge watches a lot of stuff on like netflix or hulu i'm gonna have to learn but the thing is if i haven't learned over the last six months to do that i don't know like maybe a lot of like i mean the holiday christmas specials or something
1: movie when we get theaters November. are open again yeah and there there's actually a drive-in over by my apartment that's open again wow so there's movies to watch do you live in the
0: 1950s is kind that, of oh wow okay um yeah i mean There's a couple movies out. What's the one? uh, uh, Tenet looks like something that you could watch every day and not totally understand it. So that could be something. It's like this decade's inception. Yeah, it really is You have to watch it like five times. All right. That was fill in the blank. I almost called it this or that. It was not this or that. It was fill in the blank. When we come back, hear from Kelvin Beecham. It's on with Doug and Wolf this morning. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 987FM Arizona Sports Station. I was looking uh, real quick here before we do top five. Isaiah Simmons seven plays yesterday. 18 in week one. Steep learning curve, and I don't think anybody blames him. Uh, no pre. What was the the stat that we heard the other day? He essentially missed 1,200 snaps without having or, or like a normal training camp, normal offseason preseason uh, preseason games and everything. So a little bit a uh, little bit behind the curve, but most rookies are going to be that way. And I only bring that up to say, what is this defense going to look like when Isaiah Simmons does get up to speed and is a factor right now because he, he hasn't been through the first two games and they're still 2-0. All right. and 2-0 teams traditionally have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs in the NFL. 0-2 teams, eh, not so much. What is it since 1990? 1990. 88% of teams that started 0-2 missed the playoffs. So 12% make the playoffs after starting 0-2. Now, that number might be a little bit higher this year because there's an additional playoff team in each conference. But generally speaking, you start 0-2, probably not going to make it. 12% make it over the last 30 years. So tonight's top five is of these 0-2 teams, I believe there are 11. Which ones are most likely to still make the playoffs? Mitch? I was I, just
1: looking at the standings yeah. leading up
0: to this. This sucks. (laughs) Uh, I'm being honest there. Well, you know, I found one I think is going to make it. And I found three other ones I think I can make a case for. My number five team, the the lot's going to have to go their way. I'll start. My number five team, the fifth best chance of making the playoffs, even though they're 0-2, I'm actually going to say Detroit. Uh, a lot of that's by process of elimination. Some of these other teams are awful or really injured. I wanted to say Denver. I'll, I'll tell you right now, Mitch, they're not on my list. Look,
1: I wanted to say Denver too, but
0: I—they're so beat. Not up. without their starting quarterback. I'm sorry, quarterback Von Miller, any receiver. I mean, it, it would have been, it would have been them. But go ahead.
1: So my number five. I kind of went back and forth with a couple, but I'm—it's a long shot here. I'm going Cincinnati. I mean, granted. They lost both of those games, but Joe Burrow looks really good yeah, so far to start this year. And he's got good late-game presence, and he's staying calm and composed. Granted,
0: they've lost, but he's keeping them in it. Well, uh, look, I mean, number five on our list, they're going to be a long shot. He... The, the just, no, you all know. five of these on my list are long shot. <laughs> well, 11 teams are 0-2. I mean, the, the percentages say one or two of them will make the playoffs this year if history has taught us anything. And maybe, like I said, I, I would say probably two of these teams make it because you have seven teams from each conference making it. All right, number four. This is another one I don't necessarily think will. The Minnesota Vikings. I just... I, I don't know that Chicago is for real in that division yet. Minnesota obviously has some issues. Kirk cousins had a 15 quarterback rating yesterday but i'll say minnesota at four
1: i wanted to put minnesota in the five but i went a different direction and another kind of a wild card long shot here they just lost their best player too but carolina yeah i still think they have an incredible offense now with matt rule leading the way and they have a quarterback that they really really like and robbie anderson
0: Anderson, holy smokes Yes. That's the problem with some of these teams is like, but they just, he just lost McCaffrey for four to six weeks. Uh, number three, they just lost a game. They were winning by 20 in the first quarter. I'll go with Atlanta. I think Atlanta of of uh, now we're getting to the point where I actually think these teams are are still decent. Atlanta, I think, is a an okay team, but you, know, you can't be losing games like that. So Atlanta is my number three team on this list. I
1: agree with you. I will say foreshadowing because Atlanta is in my five but my number three because I feel like another team is going to get out of the East some way
0: somehow I put Philadelphia yeah well that's a good transition because my number two is Philadelphia mm. I think Atlanta's better than Philadelphia but the <laughs> NFC East is horrendous and we I think we only game out of first
1: Dallas will win yeah.
0: somehow And
1: then if there is another team, what, Philly or Washington?
0: Well, Uh. honestly, if Atlanta just holds on to a huge lead, Washington's in first place at one and one. Right. So, yeah, Philadelphia is my number two team just because of the division.
1: Makes sense. Okay, my number two, I was thinking about this division in particular, and I'm realizing maybe it now belongs to Tennessee, but Houston is still a good team. Yep. They've got good pieces, and... Yes, they just gave away, lit. yes, gave away their best offensive weapon, but they still went out and got a couple of good veterans, and Brandon Cooks was pretty solid last
0: week. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. They're my number one team, and I'll go one step further. I think Houston will make the playoffs, so it's not just, a, oh, they have the best chance of these 0-2 teams. I think they're going to make it. They've played Kansas City and Baltimore in their first two games. Right. So it's hard to hold that against them. Now, they are going to have to start getting after it and winning some games, but you've got Deshaun Watson. I think that division is probably Tennessee's, like you said, but Jacksonville's nothing special, and I'm not sure the Colts are either. I, no. Deshaun Watson is, so yeah, I think Houston's going to make it. So I already
1: foreshadowed that Atlanta was going to be in my five. Well, only ones left, and I think <laughs> if that offense can continue to perform at that level, they just need a defense, man, Yeah. and apparently a special teams unit. because. Yeah, that would help. They
0: don't know how to field an onside kick. They're getting good kicking so far, and Calvin Ridley is like playing out of his mind through these. Oh first my two gosh! Games. It's not even been Julio. It's the been the best draft
1: combo I've ever had so far this season. Is Matt
0: Ryan and Calvin Ridley ever so far this season? Ever so far this the season. best draft combo I've ever had. And I'm like, wow. Well, I guess Mitch wasn't I've playing when uh, when like I don't even know Joe Montana and Jerry. And then you were like, so far this season. So two weeks <laughs> into the season.
1: I'm just saying. All right, that's fine. The 400 yards out of him and then 300 yards in total out of Ridley in two weeks. It's All pretty right. solid.
0: That's that's pretty good. All right, that's top five. Uh, Mitch says Atlanta is most likely to make it out of the own two teams. I say Houston. That's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Mitch Vareldis behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to the Arizona Cardinals for making this a much more enjoyable show. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been The Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.